Hello everybody and welcome back to the fourth episode of... The Gettle Podcast! That's right, and my name is Hans. I'm Edward. We're the same host you've been listening to for the past four weeks. So if you don't know our names by now, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Naturally, we have our coffees in hand. Yep. Naturally, because how else do we get through the day? Yeah. Without the day, some Joe. And the people and <laughs> everything surrounding it. <laughs> Speaking of people... Mm. You do know that COVID-19 is now in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hashtag <I> coronavirus. <laughs> yes, I do. Apparently, um, some gentleman came home from Italy and was not even caught at the airport. He wasn't feeling that great, went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, let's do some tests. You're positive for COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not, it's not a, a laughing matter, but... <laughs> It's well, just... the way you delivered it. <laughs> but that is technically how it happened. So now the doctor is also... <clears throat> so now the doctor's also in quarantine, and so is this guy's family. And everyone he walked past? Well, this is what I'm concerned about. What about all the people that were on the airplane? What if you went to the supermarket? Well, or the, anybody else. His staff. He obviously works. Maybe he went to work. That's actually well, a super scary thought. Exactly. Now, with that in mind... I feel it is very important that we just do a very quick one about the facts of COVID-19 and um, what you should do in order to protect yourself, especially if you're a tech enthusiast or gamer. Mm, who touches a lot of tech stuff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, uh, people enjoy going to lands and when you do, it's a public setting and you obviously touch a lot of peripherals. It's actually one of the main reasons why a lot of media are concerned about e3 happening later this year mm -hmm. because although it is a trade show there is also a lot of hands-on with games mm. and titles and therefore you have to touch controllers that other people have used yeah oh that's so with that in mind um we actually did a little bit of research into how to protect yourself against COVID 19 now we're not going to sensationalize the whole thing. Yeah, um, the media is, to an extent, sort of blowing it a little bit out of proportion. Mm -hmm. So not to lessen the importance of people knowing about COVID-19, it is essentially just a really bad form of pneumonia. It's, yeah. it's the flu, yeah. for all intents and purposes. It's just a really bad version. Yeah. And of course, they're still trying to find out what is causing it. or no. And they're still trying to find out what symptoms people exhibit, because everybody is different. Yeah. Anyway, with that in mind, there are certain things that gamers or really just people in general can practice in order to, you know, be COVID-19 free. Yeah. Okay. Or at least try. Or at least try to be, right? Yeah. So uh, between Edward and myself, I am, I guess you could consider myself as a introverted extrovert, whereby I thoroughly enjoy group settings and talking to people, et cetera, et cetera. But I recharge in an isolated manner. Like I like to be by myself to recharge from being around a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Edward, on the other hand, is like... The total opposite. The total opposite. <laughs> He'll just stay indoors and do nothing. So, yeah. so he's a little bit less at risk than I am. Yep. Um, um, with that said, um, COVID-19 is susceptible to antibacterial sprays mm -hmm. and antibacterial soap. Mm -hmm. So number one, it's keep your hands clean and wash them whenever possible, especially... If you've left the house or yes. if you've had people over, yeah. that's number like, one. Just be clean. As much as possible. Yeah. Um, number two, if somebody is exhibiting symptoms of being ill, maintain at least a one meter distance from them. Yeah. Because, I mean, you don't want to have the COVID-19 particles 
in your face. And yeah, then you get like, it. Like, uh, <laughs> imagine, imagine like a green gunk just exactly being between you and another person. <laughs> you don't want to breathe that in. Um, in addition to that, it's just got to do with um, not touching your face. So let's assume you've been out and let's say you've gone to get yourself a Starbucks, right? And you've touched the counter and you've touched the papers, the, the you know, the, the paper tops of the cups, etc., etc. Try not to touch your face in that circumstance until you're able to wash your hands. Yeah. Now, when it comes to gaming peripherals or even just work computers, for example, it's a very similar means of protecting yourself. Yeah. So get antibacterial wipes and just wipe down your keyboard mm. you know that kind of thing or your mouse or, or your trackpad or even getting that normal spray that you get to clean your peripherals yes absolutely even absolutely. that will be more than enough to just stay clean that's just exactly clean. it so if you are a little bit more on the pedantic side and you want to ensure that whatever you're touching whether it's at work or in a public setting is safe and secure have a little bit of, of antibacterial spray with you just uh -huh. spray it into a tissue or a cloth wipe whatever surface you're about to touch touch it when you're done Use some additional antibacterial on your hands and you know what? You'll be good to go. Yeah. Also, if you are feeling a little bit fluey, for whatever reason, practice safe respiratory hygiene in the sense of if you're about to sneeze, please do it into the crease of your arm or yeah. into your clothing. Um, it's just a good thing to do anyway. Well, well most people don't though. I it's, mean, have you seen people just sneezing randomly? in gross. Exactly. And exactly. people who gob just in the streets. <laughs> Like worse, that is that's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, to be same. really honest. Like it's actually, and then that, that that noise that like okay, I'm not going to do it now, but <laughs> that gurgling noise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it basically it makes you think of last week's episode, whereby if you see, see somebody doing that, you're like, yeah, like, man, how dare you? Yeah, you know, like if ugh. you don't know what we're talking about, check out episode three and MXM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's a super scary thought anyway. Um, anyway, okay, so yeah. that was just a quick COVID-19 thing. And if you're a game and what you should do. Um, speaking of games, I have been trying to get Edward into Anthem. Yeah. And naturally, when we tried to play, we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not for lack of trying. Yes, yes. Um, um, EA's servers were down and globally and for a variety of games. Yep, like for most of EA's multiplayer games. So what, what ended up happening um, was that we found out Lizard Squad was actively attacking the EA servers. Yeah, the, the infamous hacking group. Yeah. And turns out the reason all the games were down, even though it <laughs> ended up being a FIFA attack only, is because the EA servers are all linked. All the games are linked to each other. So that in itself is in my opinion, quite unusual. Because yeah. you would imagine that a company like EA might have unique or individual mm. server farms for every title. Of course, from an economic perspective, it makes sense to group them all together, yeah. right? But at the very least, have your main moneymaker <laughs> have its own server. Meaning like FIFA. FIFA. <laughs> like FIFA makes millions yearly. Hashtag it's, DLC. It, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's one of EA's strongest franchises. And... How that by itself is linked to the others, I, I can't fathom. Um, obviously, I'm no developer. I'm no IT specialist. Listen, look, let, let's so, be real. Okay, At the end of the day, gaming is about money. Yeah. And having all of your servers in one location versus creating different server farms for every single game is mm. more economical. That's yeah. just the honest truth about it. Makes sense. So now this is the thing. What do we think of internet vigilantism? So... A part of me is a bit like, you know, these people shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not great. You know, 
attacking any sort of organization isn't kosher, mm-hmm. but I do get why they did it. Yeah. Like, I'm of the opinion that it has its place. Um, as long as the hacktivist group isn't being a bad group, as long as you're not being bad, you know? But, okay, but now, see, that's where that, there's a very fine line. Yes. Like, um, I remember, I think it was anonymous, I can't recall exactly which group it was, but they actively helped in finding animal abusers and finding murderers online, um, which I think is an amazing thing. So this reminds me of that Netflix documentary, mm-hmm. Don't F With Cats. Have oh, you seen it yet? I have not. It's, I'm still it's very similar. Away from okay, it. granted, it wasn't about um, the group Anonymous that mm. went after the serial killer, mm. but it was a group of normal people. So perhaps from that perspective, if the end game is good, mm. but again, that's debatable, perhaps internet vigilantism as, is as long okay. as it's done in an okay way. You know, like as long as no one is hurt in the process, just find the bad guy or make EA realize they need individual servers. Well, I think they did. I think they they did a pretty good job of that. They were down for days, Mm. days. And it was quite funny. um, Some people remarked on Twitter how EA was responding to people who wanted to buy their games, but not responding to people who couldn't access their services. Yeah, like actual partners (laughs) who couldn't access their services. That was funny. Well, do you know what that makes me think of? Mm -hmm. It makes me think of the InGen Corporation and um, Jurassic Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah, I was about to ask. Like, (laughs) it kind of sounds similar in a way. Well, I mean, look, InGen themselves were okay, but there was actually a competing organization Mm -hmm. which kept on sabotaging all of InGen's um, work. Yeah. You know, try to steal it and so on and so mm. forth. Well, since we're talking about Jurassic Park now, yeah, um, might as well just... I have to bring up something that is so super exciting. If you know me, you know I love dinosaurs. And if I was a gajillionaire like Jeff Bezos, I would 100% be investing in bringing these creatures back for my own personal There player. are literally like eight <laughs> movies showing you I could do why you should better, not do that. Okay. <laughs> That's anyway, what they all say. Um, there was the most phenomenal discovery of this new duck-billed dinosaur where they actually were able to find preserved cartilage cells, DNA, and chromosomes. It's the first time in history that they've been able to do this. And it's, it's truly exciting because it could mean that Jurassic Park is on the horizon. I mean, in, all, in the history of paleontology, they've never been able to find these kinds of cells intact to the point where they can actually analyze them and possibly extract actual DNA from a 75 million year old creature. How does this compare to last time's uh, Death Reaper dinosaur though? So that one, um, for those who don't know, actually has a name based on Thanos. Mm -hmm. It's a a Greek name. Um, It evades me now, but look it up. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. The difference with that one and this one is that like every other discovery, Mm -hmm. the the DNA is non-viable. Okay. So... You know, it, they can see traces of it, but they can't do anything with it. What's fascinating about this one is that the nuclei and the chromosomes in the cells have actually been calcified in cartilage. Oh. So they can actually see the structure of the DNA and possibly, I mean, not that they can reconstruct it, but who knows? You it's know, all, given modern sciences, we could actually have a real life Jurassic Park in the future. Cool. It's like finding a ancient butterfly in amber. Like, yes, yeah. but you know that that was disproven though, right? Is it? So DNA has 
not a half-life, but it does have a certain amount of time that it can stay viable for. That's and once cool. it's gone over that limit, it essentially expires and becomes unviable. And they did say that as cool as the tech in Jurassic Park appears to be, mm-hmm. finding something in amber like that wouldn't really be possible, oh, unfortunately. Okay. Which is why this discovery mm-hmm. is so exciting, because they actually can see it. They found it. Like yes, they found it. You can DNA. actually see it. That's amazing. I hope you can... And you can hear how excited I am like, in my voice, because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like space travel, in mm-hmm. a way, right? I mean, we've had so many advances over the years and we've done so much in space, like now we're going to Mars and so on and so forth. So I feel that we're on the cusp, especially if we can find more samples like this. So although genetic advancements are not as great as space advancements, there is something else that I want to talk about as well. And that has to do with the fact that, get this, space has a smell. (laughs) How do we know this? (laughs) Because, excuse me for being immediately skeptical. (laughs) Okay, so what the astronauts on the International Space Station have found is that when they actually go out into space, right, and they do whatever work they need to do and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth, when they come back into an oxygen-rich atmosphere, Mm -hmm. their equipment has a distinct smell. Okay, but now riddle me this. Isn't that a reaction that happens with whatever is in space the smell of space and oxygen so this is the thing apparently there are compounds in space Uh that become attached to the suits yes compounds they didn't realize existed before okay which means space isn't a vacuum it is but it also has compounds (laughs) (laughs) now we are not scientists so (laughs) No, look, it's, it's, it's just, it's fascinating because they mentioned somewhat that it almost has sort of like an organic smell. Okay. But it's not. And it just means that, yes, although space is a vacuum and things are not meant to survive in a vacuum, there are obviously things. Particles, that's... yeah. Particles in the vacuum of space that when attached to gear that come into contact with oxidized environments, specifically the air we breathe, they emit a unique, distinctly space smell listen all i'm hearing is that if we get to <laughs> make armor or weapons out of this uh, things in space these compounds in space you'll basically be a jedi that can oh, survive in space do you think they're midichlorians maybe no okay midichlorians <laughs> are life we- okay <laughs> look the whole thing about this is that nasa is actually trying to replicate the smell so that they So there can... we go. <laughs> They're actively doing what I'm saying. Yeah, but not to make it, not to weaponize it. At least we hope. Yeah. I mean, but just imagine, right? So, you know, I thoroughly enjoy Jean-Paul Gaultier as my, like, fragrance, right? Yeah. But imagine NASA space smell. Feel the zero Gs. Imagine all the gimmicks that's going to come out of that. Like, space rock. Anyway. The new English blazer. <laughs> like, instead of black, which is my preferred I'd smell. That. I'd buy that. Um, English blazer, space rock. Like... <laughs> So they're doing it apparently in order to prepare future astronauts for, for smells smell. of space. Yeah. It's weird because previous <laughs> astronauts didn't know about the smell of space. So why need to prepare them? It's just to make them aware that there is a distinct smell. And if they happen to smell it, that, you know, maybe there's a breach in the airlock or something. Well, then you die. <laughs> no, but, but you know what I mean though? Like yeah, it, could be so, it. it could be so subtle that maybe they don't realize there's a breach somewhere. Oh. And then by smelling the smell, it's like, oh, hang on. The compounds from the vacuum of space are interacting with our oxidized environment. Like so we better look into this or we're going to die. Uh, okay. I, I suppose. But I you know, they that. could just maybe 
clone themselves at a later stage. Oh, oh, <laughs> speaking of cloning um, and space, did you know that Daddy Pelps, oh, Palpatine himself, Palpatine. he, it, it's, it's confirmed that he was a clone in Rise of the Skywalker. Okay, but this, this we knew though. It was obvious. Uh, it might have been obvious, but many people. I mean, Snoke not was a clone like as well. This. They kind of had the scenes with Snoke's in the jar. Yeah, like say what you will about Rise of the Skywalker and how it compared to Last Jedi, but the fact of the matter is that people aren't liking this seemingly, and I air quote, cop out um, of a confirmation. How is it a cop out though? Because they argue the the argument online is that it. It wasn't explained fully to its extent. The cloning? Yes. The guy literally created the Clone Wars. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) um, my issue with this entire argument is that people, fans of Star Wars, have been clamoring for, for Disney and for LucasArts to go back to the extended universe, which is now called the Legends. Such um, a mess. And pull from it. And... For the longest time, for years, for for decades, it's been in the books, the um, post-episode six books, Mm -hmm. that Palpatine ended up cloning himself in the event that he died. So, this is canon. So, they literally pulled from Star Wars Legends, and now people have an issue with that. I don't know. Look, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by this, because the guy created clones specifically... To he, fight for his cause. He engineered the Clone Wars. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously he would clone himself. Yeah. Obvious. I mean, okay, listen, I'm going to put myself in Palp's shoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it was me, damn straight I'm going to clone myself oh, so, I can yeah. have forever, so I can live forever. And okay? to do more than that because <laughs> I would do stuff no normal person might do if they clone themselves. Um, but hold on. It goes further than that though, right? Uh-huh. So apparently they're now saying... That Ray's father was an unsuccessful clone of Palpatine. I read something about that, and apparently that's also canon. Okay, I'm I'm not too Look, sure how I feel about that. That though. to me is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, because I'll, in the I'll movie, he even looked different. Well, the bit, the tiny exactly, bit. Exactly, exactly. To me, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. You know, making an owner unsuccessful clone, and, uh-huh. but he managed to be viable enough to create a, a, a Jedi, right? An offspring that was super powerful. <laughs> Yes, unnaturally so, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about how I feel about that, but speaking about offsprings and creating people, <laughs> um, another little tidbit that just came out is that it's been canonized that mm-hmm. the kiss between Kylo and Rey wasn't romantic. So what was it then? Platonic, I suppose. Well, if that's a platonic kiss... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, my reaction exactly. <laughs> like, where do they live? Hmm. <laughs> let's. Uh, why don't we have a platonic kiss? I mean, oh, like... <laughs> like... <laughs> well, listen, if, if y'all be kissing with tongue as a platonic kiss, it's good weird. for you. But please note that's bad for COVID nineteen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Keep that in mind next time you have you kiss your. I don't know, your mom or something oh <laughs> with, with open tongue. Um. <laughs> okay, look, look. On the topic of movies, um, yeah. there's uh, a brand new update with regards to The Batman. Yes. Um, so regarding The Batman, we know, we now know 
how the Batmobile looks. <gasps> it's so beautiful. And okay, it is so super beautiful. I'm a personal fan of 1989 Batman mm-hmm. with Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just I don't know. It's one of the few that always comes to mind when I think about it. But also the Batman Forever. The roadster. Yes. The proper roadster. It was, it was yeah. really different. It's unusual. You know, yeah. it had those sort of like rib sort of mechanism, yeah. right? Yeah. Which so I really, the, really to me, cool. it comes second only to the Bat- the Arkham Asylum Batmobile. You know, um, until you actually tweeted about it, I wasn't even aware that that existed in the really? game. Yeah. It, you see it at the beginning of the game and every time you pass it. Never again. Well, which shows is... you how little I play. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's easily missable. Oh. So I don't blame you. Well, look. After your, your tweet, I, it actually it piqued my interest. And mm-hmm. you said that it was available much later on as DLC as well, right? A DLC for Arkham Knight. So it's, cool. it, they reimagined the Arkham Asylum Batmobile for Arkham Knight. And I only got to Arkham Knight way later. I didn't play it at launch. Yeah. So when I, uh, I got the Legendary Edition or whatever okay. it's called, and it's, it's added in the game from yeah, the that's start. That's awesome, though. So that's the Batmobile okay. well, I used throughout. Before we get too sidetracked about the game now, yes. um, we are actually talking about the new Batmobile from the Batman and yes. Matt Reeves. Yes. Okay. So he released new images, and honestly, I really, really dig the look of this new yeah. vehicle. It kind of has similarities to the Adam West car, mm-hmm. right? From the 1960s. Yeah. So it, it, I almost kind of feel that seems like the same universe but i guess we know that it's not because no. none of the batman movies actually take place in the same universe like they're all in different multiverses i imagine yeah you can you can <laughs> say that that's actually a very good and ladies and gentlemen excuse. this is because dc's world is a mess yeah it's a hot dumpster fire <laughs> <laughs> and it's too much of a mess for anyone with a busy life to get used oh, to listen speaking of mm-hmm. um speaking of busy lives there is a feature I really wish games would have. What? Um, I know we were just talking about Arkham Knight, so it made uh-huh. me just think about that. And it's essentially... Um, think of it as a busy adult lives feature. Okay. Where, like, let's say you're playing a video game, like, uh, the most recent one for me would be um, Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. Right? The controls are fantastic, but also very different to other games in the genre. Right? Now, as an adult... Time is often not on our sides. Mm-hmm. So although we have the privilege of reviewing video games as a business, you know, reviewing a game is not the same as playing one for leisure. Yeah. So what ends up happening is we'll push aside things we enjoy, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, constantly enjoy. Yeah. Like for yourself, it's... Like stuff like Guild Wars. Yes. And then for me, it's like Jurassic World, for yeah. example. Evolution, Jurassic World Evolution. And so what would be nice is if there was a feature whereby if you, had, if you've, if you haven't played the game for, let's say, a week and you come back, or longer. Or longer, or longer, right? It just pops up and it's like, this is what happened previously in mm-hmm. your game. And these are the controls. Okay. Or rather give you an option like, would you like to relearn the controls? And one of the games that always comes to mind when I think of this is The Witcher. The Witcher 3. Okay. So The Witcher 3 in some ways does this a little bit. Whenever you turn off and you come back, it always gives you, during the loading, the initial loading screen, a recap of what happened in the story. Ah, okay. But it doesn't show you the controls again. So, like, I tried to play again recently after watching The Witch on Netflix, and I could not remember how to play. Great! I knew where I was in the story, but I couldn't remember how to actually play the game. So So I just restarted it. So a nice tutorial, (laughs) just a quick refresher. Call call it an adult mode. No, that doesn't sound very good. uh, (laughs) A busy life mode. A busy life mode. There we go. I like that. I like that. 
Um, and speaking of busy lives, I know we spoke about this last week, but uh, this mode would actually be perfect for the Xbox Series X resume mode. Yeah, that's hey? what I've been thinking now for when you have six games to review. So you put all four <laughs> your others on on the back burner. And you need to go back to any one of those. Exactly, exactly. You'll be confused AF. But now, well, if you have the busy life mode with the Xbox Series X resume mode, uh-huh. it's actually like a win-win scenario. I think that's actually a super cool concept. I, we should pitch this to Microsoft. Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> Listen, Microsoft, if you're listening, we again do not have a sponsored segment. So hit us up. Look, while we're on the topic of games, um, there was something else that I thought was very, very interesting. Uh-huh. And that has to do with how much video game franchises actually earn. Yeah. Um, I was having a look at this graph you shared. Mm-hmm. And it's actually incredibly interesting, um, to say the least. Well, I mean, my favorite franchise is number one. Well, so... of course it's number one. <laughs> that makes sense. It's Pokemon, for um... those who are curious. <laughs> At ninety billion dollars, <laughs> but see that's that's unsurprising. Why? Because it's Pokemon. I think most of that money is not coming from the games; it's coming from, from the, everything. The TCG, yes. Okay, TCG Which, and collectibles. By the way, they have started lessening the amount of cards you get A in packs and B in the elite trainer boxes for the same price for the same price with the same number of cards in the set uh-huh ah. okay so it's all capitalism <laughs> so speaking of these video game franchises we just yeah. want to give you guys a quick overview of the top 10 okay so coming in at number 10 it's actually Warcraft with, yeah. with like 10 and a half billion then Final Fantasy the franchise at number 9 with also just over 10 and a half billion then Street Fighter at number 8 that's I- okay I didn't know that it was still relevant. <laughs> apparently it is. It's a big fighting community. Then at number seven, it's Dungeon Fighter Online, which, which I've never heard of before. I think it's a Chinese game. <laughs> Must be, because, gosh. Um, then Space Invaders. That shocking. Six. Like, what? For those who may not know, Space Invaders is one of the oldest games. Um, it was made by Atari. It, it was incredible back in the day. Yeah. And the fact that it's still relevant is incredible. I don't understand. I, oh, you know what it is? Um, the big arcade boxes. Possibly. Then Pac-Man at number five. Which is another weird one. The Nintendo Wii at number four. But what does that mean? I'm assuming just the consoles. It was one of Nintendo's biggest selling consoles and it actually brought them back out of almost insolvency. But that means the Wii is the only one in the top ten at least. Well, from a console perspective, which is only one on, thing yeah. being sold, Jeez. or at least its accessories that's, as well. That's incredible. Whereas everything else includes, I assume, its merchandising. Then it's Call of Duty at number three. Uh-huh. Okay, which is no wonder Activision Blizzard keeps pumping money into that thing. Exactly. Like you Mario at number two and uh-huh. Pokemon at number one. So it's actually pretty incredible how many of these top 10 slots belong to Nintendo. It's actually quite funny as well. If you look at Pokemon, which comes in at 90 billion, <laughs> and you look at just Mario... Just a, a cool 90 billion, right? Yeah, just a cool. And you look at Mario, which only comes in at billion. 30 billion. Wow. That's like looking at the 1% versus the 1% inside the 1%. incredible. No wonder Nintendo spun off the Pokemon yep, company exactly. on its own. Yeah. Jeez. It's, it's shocking, actually. Oh, well, I'm sure Princess Peach... Is upset about that. Uh, something tells me she'll be fine. Speaking of princesses. Yeah. Do you know how old the Disney princesses are? Because I found out and it blew my mind. 
Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> For a start, yeah. Snow White is 14. Okay. <laughs> that gives the movie a whole new context. Oh, Prince Charming is... <laughs> Hashtag pedo. Yes. <laughs> no, but okay, well, let's, let's assume there. he's, what, like 15. Because if you watch the film, mm. she doesn't seem that young. She seems like she's like 18. Of course the film would make it seem like that. Well, but I don't know. Anyway, so just another quick thing about this. A lot of these ages that we found out, um, some of them have been substantiated, but others are circumstantial. Mm. So we're not entirely sure, but they're really fascinating. So I'll just go through them really quickly. Jasmine is 15. Aurora, my personal favorite, you know, and Maleficent especially. Oh gosh, best, best villain, best villain. She is 16. Ariel is 16. Mulan is 16. Uh, Merida is 16. Yeah. Moana. Moana is 16. There's a lot of 16-year-olds, apparently. Yep. Disney, like, seriously. They're like they're <laughs> young adults. Belle is 17. Pocahontas is 18. Rapunzel is 18. Okay. Cinderella is 19. Tiana is 19. Okay. Anna is 21. And the matriarch of the group is Elsa at 24. See, that's what gets me. Why? How is she so old? Because she was too afraid to fall in love, remember? She would turn everybody to ice. Wow. I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> another question. Like, we all know Mulan. That's pretty much an accurate age, if, if you know the source material. Yes. But if you look at Grimm's fairy tales, the actual fairy tales, like something like Snow White is based on, yeah. um, did they actually go back and take that age? Or... Because why would it be so young otherwise? I'm, I'm uncertain where Disney got the ages from. Okay. But you are right in saying that a lot of Disney's tales are based on the grim fairy tales. Yes. In which case, the children in those tales were actually very young. Yeah, it was, it was made for adults. Um, like right. we said, this was just a, a cool it's thing we came across. Cool. It's super um, And assuming the ages are accurate, it does make you think. Yeah. Like a little bit more. Because I actually... Maybe it's a bit naive on my side, but I kind of figured that they were no less than 16. I mean, the yeah. fact that Snow yeah. White is 14 and even Jasmine is 15, that kind of like, it really blew my mind a little bit. I just, you know? I just assumed all of them were at least young adults, you know, like yes. 18 or plus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe even the early 20s, exactly. you know. But I guess they're also products of the time. I mean, if you do go back to when these films were produced, yeah. I mean, like what, the 1960s, 50s, 40s, uh, right? Probably I'm assuming. like the 70s, um, at least. I it was know. a different time. So yeah. young ladies back then, and please don't misquote me or understand me here because I don't condone, you know, being that young to be married and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. But they were products of their time. So to me, it was really very interesting to see the ages of these princesses, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it really makes you think, honestly, yeah. like... I mean, these are meant for families, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, that, so I guess because it's young kids that are meant to be watching these, it's okay that the princesses are young. But if you do really like look role into it, yeah, yes, in, in some respects, but if you really do look into it, like what happens to these young women, mm -hmm. it's a little, it's a little strange. It's, it's scary, um, actually. Anyway, I'm just going to move on. But to yeah, <laughs> like, like actually the, the act of watching these movies. Yes. Because... Okay, look, look, let, let's just leave them as they're meant for families, for young people, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and speaking of families, we all enjoy Disney Plus. Watching not that it's, these not, movies. Not that it's available in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all of these movies are available on Disney Plus, And that actually made me wonder about data usage. Like, mm -hmm. what does a typical South African family use per month? I'm going to speak from two perspectives. 
Okay. I'm going to speak from mine and my families, and I'm going to speak from Patience and her family. Okay. Um, for those who may not know, um, Patience and her husband are employed by us, um, and we provide um, a home for them, including fiber. So mm-hmm. I can often see their usage. Now, my family, we are spoiled. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Okay. I have, you know, what well, I had consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm happy to report I have purchased some new ones anyway, that aside. Um, I live a very tech-focused life. So I download a lot of games. When we watch things, we are lucky enough to watch in 4K, which consumes a lot of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So my family's usage, a family of four, on average, on a 200 meg fiber line, consumes about two terabytes of data a month. Now, that's legitimate data. That's not torrenting or any, anything like that. Anything that's extra. Anything extra, yes. That's just... You know, I'm loading up Amazon Prime and I'm streaming a 4K episode of a show. We watch maybe two or three episodes a night or maybe during the day my mom is watching something else it's, and so on and so forth. So in, including updates and any other data, it could be even more. You know, Xbox updates, PlayStation yeah. updates, game updates, my Mac, iPhones, whatever yeah. we have, right? So that's roughly two terabytes a month. Now, I had a look at patients and her family's usage. Now, they're a family of four as well and they have a 100 megabit fiber line. Mm-hmm. And I was so genuinely curious to note how they were using, on average, about 500 gigs a month. That now, now, that might not seem like a lot to somebody like me, mm. right? But it is. Yeah. Because they're a family of four, which means, on average, they're using about 120 gigs to 150 gigs each, mm-hmm. right, per person. And... They don't have as much tech as we do, mm. right? They all have mobile phones and they have a TV with a Roku Express that I set up with them. You know, I put, I put um, Netflix and so on and so forth so that they could use it. And they're really happy with it. It was really great. And yeah, 500 gigs. And, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because a lot of the times, particularly in South Africa, you see these deals which are aimed at home internet, mm-hmm. but they're like 80 gigs. Yeah. I'm like, this is Cats. now, yes, this is now a normal standard family of four in South Africa and they are consuming 500 gigs a month on average. And you know what the worst part is? It's not even about the speed. No. Because at home, I am unfortunate enough (laughs) only to get an eight megabyte wireless line. So Mm -hmm. that's fiber to a node and then from node it's wireless to us. Yes. And it's capped at eight meg speed. And we average, we're a household of five people. And we average 700 gig a month. That's, wow. Yeah. On so, an 8 meg line? Yes, on our 8 meg line. Wow. So, so that's, obviously, I stream all the time. I stream everything. Um, I have a very internet-focused life. My work is online. I always game. Um, and it goes to show that the average South African family with a 100 meg fiber line, they spend 500 gig a month. Yes. Um, and they do Netflix and all this oh, Yeah, everything. And Streaming that's obviously everything. not 4K. That's no, 1080p. no. Um, it's, it, now, that's a bit different because that comes yes. down to cost. So, uh, for me, I, I have a bit of a mix. Okay. Like, 1080p and some of my, my stuff do go higher in resolution. Yes. Um, so, it, it's quite interesting. Like, the, not even speed affects that. It's just the basic usage. right. It's usage. just the basic usage. Yeah. But, look, essentially, my whole point is that it's 500 gigs. Yeah. That's half a terabyte. That's massive. For a standard family in SA. Exactly. So, you know, it means that network operators and people who offer internet packages really need to wake up. Yes. 
they give you the bare minimum. Exactly. Like little speeds with a tiny cap. For exorbitant amounts. Yes. I mean, this fiber line that we're currently paying for is only, I think, eight or 900 rand a month. That's, for 100, that's for, less than what for I For 100 paid. megabits and it's uncapped. Yeah. Whereas like there was a recent deal that I saw the other day from one of the network operators. It was 80 gigs during the day, 80 gigs night surfer for like 800 bucks. I was like, that's ridiculous. We all know who that is. Yeah, we all know who it is. Um, if you're South African, you'll know as well. Um, which, it's it's bad. It's really bad. So we need to... We all need to be rich. Yes. Like Nicolas Cage rich, okay? Oh, gosh. Don't get me started on that. Like, recently, I saw a little post on Reddit. Yes. Um, where I'm not sure who the actual author of the post was. But did you know that Nicolas Cage spent $150 million? Dollars. Yeah, million USD on a 70 million old dinosaur skull. Um, relatable. <laughs> uh, if only. A tomb. He spent $150,000 on a first edition Superman comic. Okay, but that's amazing though. He, on pygmy heads. I don't understand that. <laughs> um, I actually don't know what. I think it's like a fairy. No, no, I know what it is. I just don't understand why he'd want that. Oh, yeah, because it's weirder. Yeah. Uh, have you seen his movies, Hans? <laughs> um, two European castles. Okay, that's amazing. Where yeah. one is worth 10 million USD and the other is worth 2.6 million USD. And he has 15 residences. Why do we need 15 residences? Ah, he's weird. <laughs> and then he, he, the post also <laughs> says he later had to return this call. <laughs> so... Oh my god! And he probably Listen, didn't even ask for his money I back. If I spent 150 million dollars on a dinosaur skull and it had to be returned, I would be devastated. You'd probably ask for a refund. Okay, like well, where's the manager, yes. bitch? Well, look, listen. I've, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, uh-huh. if I had billions of dollars, I would 100 percent be spending all of that money, other than helping the poor, on <laughs> genetic research for Jurassic Park. See, okay? you're, maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe with the pygmy heads and the dinosaur skull, that's what he's trying to do. Look, I don't know. I can't speak for Nicolas Cage, okay? Like, imagine the scientific Look, setback when no, he had to return that skull. All I'm wondering is how did he make that much money? Movies, bro. He hasn't been in that many. National Treasure, Ghost Rider. He's not even that great of an actor. It makes me think of, like, so, I mean, I know he's an actor, right? Yes. But technically, actors are brands. Yes. So you could almost say that in a way, if you manage your own brand, it's like managing a company. Mm-hmm. So that then makes me think about iconic companies, right? And how much money they make and also what their logos mean. So like in Nicolas Cage's perspective, his logo is his face. His face and his acting skill. Which yeah, is, pretty much. Leaves a lot to be desired sometimes. I would love to have but... his face on my bed spread for face instance. Off. <laughs> you, yeah. you, are, you are contributing to why we have so much money. <laughs> well, speaking of brands, um, you shared another graph with me earlier this week where the 50 iconic brand logos get explained. Yes. Which is pretty dang interesting. Look, we're not going to go into too many of them because there are a lot. But what you can do is you can check out Bamus.com. We have a lot of what we speak about available there for you to actually, you know, read up and that kind of thing. But I would like to mention at least one or two of them. So, like, one of the the, the most obvious ones is Amazon. Uh There's actually two things about this logo that most people don't realize. Number one is how the arrow underneath the word Amazon actually replicates a smile. 
So when you yeah. see the logo, you subconsciously actually smile and you want to buy from them. It That's makes you one. feel good inside. Exactly. Yeah. Number two, for the, the really observant among us, you'll note that that line goes from A to Z. Yeah. You can get, oh. you can get everything you want from Amazon.com. <laughs> Uh, how did I not make that this, this distinction? One of those things. <laughs> Literally, my mind blew the moment you just said that. <laughs> wow. Anyway, it's an absolutely, <laughs> it's an absolutely fascinating list. Um, definitely check out the website if wow. you want to learn more about what these logos are about. Um, like the Amazon one, if that, if that caught your interest, by all means, go and check it out. Um, having said that, and speaking about logos, you know that the Vamos logo means something as well, right? Well, I know it looks like something. If any of you out there know what it could be, definitely hit us up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. We've reached the end of episode four. Pretty much. It it was a great one. It was a good one. I I really enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, our segues was amazing. Now thinking back. Well, if you, maybe, possibly. Yeah. Um, I would also just like to mention just quickly, um, I am once again getting my life back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently bought a play. Oh, speaking of, I just bought a PlayStation 4. CNA, y'all. CNA is going out of business. Go and get as much stuff as you can. <laughs> yeah. So what happened is Edcon sold CNA to an investor who is known to liquidate all their assets. Not just that. It, so, that's part of it. But the yeah. other part apparently is that they want CNA to be a um, stationary only company. Oh, that and, makes sense. And that's why when you go to CNAs, they're only oh. selling off the electronics. The, the electronic stuff. Yeah. So I only found just found out about this sale apparently it's been going on for a couple of weeks uh-huh. but i would highly recommend if you are looking for tech products yeah. just either call your nearest cna to find out what they've got or just go yeah. because i managed to buy for example a ps4 pro which sells for eight thousand rand for only four thousand nine hundred yeah. i mean that is bargain uh, and it's going quickly for reference we're based in in the east, east Rand. Um, and we went to Lakeside because we called all over the place and Lakeside had stock. The of only the store after like calling about yes. six stores. Uh, when we got there, we learned that they still have two PS4 Slims in stock. Oh, but the, the, the state of play version. Yes, yeah. w- which one of them is a state of play version. They still have one Xbox One S, two Xbox One Xs and one um, normal Xbox One, an yeah. original Xbox original One. Xbox one. That's that's the extent of their stock. So it's flying off the shelves. And shelf. it's all between 30 and 75% off. Yep. So if you are listening to a podcast and you made it this far to the end, good you're luck and Godspeed. Yeah, you're, you're in for a great deal if you just call around. <laughs> well, that's me. There we go. That's yeah. it. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, for those of you who are still tuning in, we see you. We thank you. And always feel free to reach out to us online. Always. Until next week. Thank you for listening. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.